Psalm 46 is written for the storm-tossed soul. It answers the question as to what anchors our souls in the storm of life. Whatever storm gripped the author of this psalm, it evoked the meditation and declaration that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. When tossed about by trials and troubles, crisis and concerns, as Christians we can confidently know that God controls the storm and will not allow us to suffer beyond what he deems appropriate. According to the superscription, this psalm was written by the sons of Korah, group of Levites serving in the priesthood. It was written for the choir director, indicating it was to be used by the Levitical choir in worship to God. That it was set to Alamoth implies that it was to be sung by soprano voices. As we look at these short verses here in Psalm 46, the psalm for storm-tossed souls, we'll begin in verses 1 through 3 with God's power. Then we'll go to 4 through 7 and see God's presence, and then we'll conclude with verses 8 to 11, God's peace. Verses 1 to 3, God's power. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth should change, and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. Selah. The psalm begins with a confession made by the people of Israel. God is our refuge and strength. Now the word refuge here literally means shelter. In other words, when the storm comes, God protects us. He shelters us. In the book of Isaiah, we see promises that after Israel is cleansed by the Lord, that he will guard them with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, just as he had in the Exodus. The prophet Isaiah continues in chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. And with this, it says, For over all the glory there will be a covering, and there will be a tabernacle for shade in the daytime from the heat, for, the place, for a place of refuge and for a shelter from storm and rain. God is also our strength. He exerts his might against his enemies and foes. God protects us as not only as our shelter, but he also fights for us. He is our shield and our sword. He's a very present help in trouble. He's always with us. The word trouble there means uh, cramped quarters or a constricting feeling. You know, when we're in distress, He is there to help. When the pressure mounts, when the world closes in upon us, God is there. And what is the consequence? The consequence is we will not fear. Our fear is gone because of the provision and presence of God. Verse 2 and 3 describes a fearsome disaster. We will not fear even though the earth be removed and the mountains be carried into the sea. Here he pictures the world returning to its primeval chaos. The verb for removed means changed, though the earth be changed, though the mountains be carried into the sea, we will not fear. Even though the waters of the ocean roar and are troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, whether it's a description of hurricanes or tidal waves, they cannot touch us. Earthquakes and avalanche cannot touch us. Now that is not to say that we cannot be the victims of those things. But understand they're never going to rob us of the presence of God. Through it all, God, the creator and sustainer of this planet, will hold us fast. Verse 4 to 7. Let's see God's presence. There is a river whose stream makes glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voices. The earth melted. 
The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Selah. Against that watery chaos of verse 3 and verse 4, we now have a river. A river whose stream will make us glad, well, excuse me, who will make glad the city of God. What is the city of God? New Jerusalem. The river is a perennial stream that waters. As we see in Ezekiel 47 and in Revelation 22 verse 1, it will, it will run through the midst of this city. And it's at this river of God that His mercy and His Spirit will be present. And as people drink of it, they will be glad. In the midst of God's city, New Jerusalem, there is a tabernacle for the Most High. Interestingly, the phrase Most High, the title, the, is a, it was first used in Genesis 14, verses 18 and 24, by the Jebusites. The Jebusites. God is in the midst of her, in the midst of the city. She shall not be moved. The city of New Jerusalem will not be moved. Why? Because God is there. You see, listen, this earth can crumble, but my friends, if you're a child of God, when this earth crumbles, guess where you will be? You will be in the city of God, in New Jerusalem. Since God lives there, He is her stability. When the sun rises and the nations march into battle, guess what? New Jerusalem is God's security. The nations make an uproar and the kingdoms totter. Or literally, the kingdoms are moved. That verb for rage or uproar describes the waters roaring in verse 3. And the verb for moved is the same as used in verse 2 for the mountains. Just like history, just in the same way that, that nature is moved or changed, so history will be moved and changed. Nature has its chaos. History has its chaos. The voice of God, however, is greater than the noise of history and the noise of nature. He utters his voice and the earth melts. Literally melts in fear. Probably is referring to the, the day of the Lord when which, as Peter says, the heavens will pass away with great noise, the elements will melt with fervent heat, the earth and the works that are in will be burned up. God, however, is our stability. His city is our security. And when we dwell in New Jerusalem, the chaos of history, the chaos of nature, will not carry us away. The promise of security continues in the confession. Notice how he concludes here in verse um, 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Now the hosts are who? They're the angels. The angelic army. The Lord of armies. Sabaoth. You can cross-reference this to Psalm 103, 20-22. The God who rules his angelic armies is also the God of Israel, the God of Jacob, and he's our God. He's our high place. He's our refuge. And he will send his angels to aid us in our battles. He promises to be our place of retreat. And so we have God's peace, or excuse me, God's power. We have God's presence. And now in verse 8 to 11, we have God's peace. Come! Behold the works of the Lord, who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Cease striving to know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Selah. The psalmist invites us to see the works of the Lord. God brings his judgments his desolations, if you will. His waste. That's what the word desolation. He wrote desolation or waste in the earth. He stops wars. 
makes wars to cease. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear. He burns the chariots. Here is a picture of God defeating his enemies, but it's eschatological, it's prophetical. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. You see, Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 4 prophesies of a day when the sword will be beaten into a plowshare. Revelation 20 and verse 4 promises the millennial reign of the Lord. And when God Christ returns at the end of the tribulation and establishes kingdom here on the earth, then it will be a time of peace. Then it will be a day in which swords will be beaten into plowshares. And the chaos of history will become the cosmos of God. God speaks a prophetic word here. He brings peace to the earth, so he brings peace to the heart. And that's the beauty. Even though this peace is eschatological, we can now experience it in our hearts. Be still and know that I am God. This is what Christ talked about in John 14. I give you peace not as the world gives you. In the world you will not know peace, but in our hearts we have peace. But there's a day coming in which we will experience peace in this world when this world is reigned over by Christ. To know God, to have an intimate relationship with God is to experience that peace that quietness in our hearts. Folks, this relationship with God is not merely theological, it's relational. It's intimacy. It's letting God's peace settle upon us. It is knowing Him as our security. It's knowing Him as our stability in the storm. And then he continues and says, I will be exalted among the nations. I'm going to be exalted in the earth. He's going to be lifted up. He's going to be raised high picture of victorious coach being carried from the field you know, on the shoulders of his team and the praise of the fans. That's God. God's going to be lifted up. Both, both creation and history are going to bow to God's sovereign will. Both, both nature and history are going to give him glory. And we know as Philippians 2, 10 to 11 tells us that when Christ comes, when he manifests the fullness of God's kingdom, Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord to the glory of His Father. And that's why we need to continue to pray, Thy kingdom come. The psalm ends with a repetition of verse 7 as a refrain. He says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Friends, I need you to ask yourself this. Is God big enough to deal with your personal problems? The answer should be yes. But is, is your God big enough to deal with your personal problems? Is He big enough to deal with terroristic threats? Volcanoes, hurricanes, etc.? The God of Psalm, 1, Psalm 46. The God who commands angelic coast. The God who commands volatile nature. The God who commands his expanding creation. The God who commands historical chaos. Wars and rumors of wars. He is the Lord of armies. And so, what do we have to fear? Is it any wonder that when Martin Luther read these words, he penned these words. As he read Psalm 46, he wrote, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? Were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing? Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth, Lord of hosts, 
his name from age to age the same. And he must win the battle. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. That word above all earthly powers, no thank to them abiding. The spirit and the gifts are ours, through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, but God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we thank and praise you for Psalm 46. A psalm for the storm-tossed soul. Father, we confess that there's times in life when we are, like Peter, drowning in the Sea of Galilee. We've taken our eyes off of you and we've begun to sink. Father, help us to get our eyes focused back on you so that we may again walk. Help us, Father. To not fear what man can do to us, but to fear what you can do. Not just to fear, but to reverence and to wonder. Thank you, Lord, for being our high place, our refuge, our shelter. Thanks for being our warrior. Thank you, Father, for helping us to know that even if all everything in this world should fail, there is a place that abides in your presence called New Jerusalem. And we'll dwell there forever in your presence. We look forward to that great and glorious day. And so, Father, help our unbelief. Help us when we falter. Help us when we fail. Help us to know that you are there. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.